Good evening. Good evening. How are you going? Good. How are you? Pretty good. I have a much better setup tonight, hopefully. I was going to say, how's the old interwebs? <laughs> Man, so for those that uh, don't, well, I, I, I find when, when shows talk about they have diff technical difficulties, it always <laughs> bothers me because I just think you're a show, like how can you be having technical difficulties? It's not like we're at episode 99 now. I mean, how are you having it now? Yeah. So for those out there who are interested, my Mac that I've been using forever is a 2013 Mac, which is now officially no longer supported, okay. which is why all of this is happening because I'm having to come up with these different solutions and uh, I just couldn't get it to work last week uh, or last episode I don't know what it was but anyway it sounded like you guys had a really good show yes That's one that I missed out on um, yeah. Julian it was it was quite funny because I normally when I edit the podcast I listen to it back what I've already listened to so there's a lot of I'm just checking to make sure there's no blips but I got to listen to it for the first time, <laughs> you know, uh, uh, editing it. And uh, it was really good. Julian is an amazing speaker. And right at the end, when he talked about his podcast, I went, ah, now it makes sense. Because he was a, a fantastic speaker. Yes, it was good. Hey, Brian, how's it going? I assume he can't hear us. Oh, Here we go. Again. Something, something's happening on that end. <clears throat> oh, good old Australian internet. <laughs> we should all just move down there. <laughs> yep, got you now. Yep, Sorry. Right. You're good. Good. So, how's everyone's uh, fortnight been? Oh. Busy. Yeah. Any progress on the shop? Oh, no, don't ask. Nothing. I haven't, haven't heard a word from anyone. So. Oh. Just, just sort of, I haven't heard from the rep for, for since the slab was poured, which is weeks ago. Oh, jeez. I don't know if I told you. Maybe, oh, I can't remember when it was. Maybe the day the It would have been a slab, month ago that the, we spoke the, yeah, last. The, the day the slab was poured, it was either maybe the day before we, we did a podcast, maybe the day before, and I, I was gonna, I was saying like it was gonna be done. Um, mm, that's right. But before they'd even finished pouring the slab, I got an email with the bill for it. <laughs> I was like, man, these guys, I mean, obviously want their money, but come on, you're not even finished yet. <laughs> yeah, it's the same contractors that are doing the erection of the shed as as they're doing the concreting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So obviously, I mean, everyone's in the same boat. You need they need cash, and they they were held up big time as well. But yeah, come on, finish the job. <laughs> yeah, the I've mentioned him before, Scott Turner. He's just recently finished a shed build. Yeah, um, that's up in North Queensland, and he he was caught out by uh, the the company that was doing the shed. It was a kit shed pretty much the same deal i reckon as, as yours joe yeah and the after sales service because they were missing some parts he said was horrific mm. and he says everyone he's talked to it's it's all always the same thing you 
these and and not to label all kit shed companies because i'm sure there's some good guys out there but a lot of people he spoke to have had very bad experiences where they'll get you in the door once you've got you know giving them the money then it's there's just no service afterwards and who do you call Yes, I, I could see it going that way, but yeah, fingers crossed. It's just see how we go. I, I just waited nearly three months for a pair of sauce hinges, if that makes you feel any better. For a pair of what? Sauce hinges. Oh, really? Oh, sauce, yeah. 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 Well, 11 weeks. Jesus. Yeah. It's crazy. It's as bad as trying to find some plasterboard. <laughs> not, not quite that bad. <laughs> not quite that bad. Oh, it's good to have you back, Robin. I've got yeah it's it's good to be back i felt like a i really missed out on the show and it feels like it's been a long while since i've spoken to you guys yeah. um talking about uh, uh jib jib board or or chip rock or whatever you call it yeah i've been getting into scott brown's videos quite a bit lately okay and uh i re- i just enjoy the way he puts them together mm-hmm. they're very cool and in this last video of his he had a portable hand planer a battery powered portable hand planer this thing was honestly um the size of like a sunglasses case oh really and he was using it to trim up studs to um, get them coplanar before putting sheets yeah. on and it was just the most amazing tool i was seen what that's for, for okay I'm, I'm i'm probably embellishing for <laughs> <laughs> for um, argument's sake but it was small i i've you know all the ones that i've used have always been you can use them one hand, but they're a lot more controllable too. Right. This looked like a like a, a slightly bigger block plane. Okay. It's really cool. It's a little oh, Bosch, battery, battery powered one? Mm. Yeah. Yeah. They're yeah, bloody really handy. Cool. Um, I've not long had a uh, battery powered plane. We take it on site for uh, trimming toe kicks and scribers and stuff. Mm. And um, it's just it's so much so much easier than having to run a cable outside and find power and stuff sometimes if it's um depending where we are we'll just run into the van and do the planing in the van keep all the mess yeah. mm-hmm. in there and then run up and and do whatever we have to do and we don't have to worry about leads it's awesome yeah it's funny what the job site would have looked like 10 15 years ago with air hoses and, yeah. and wires yeah, yes. it's all a thing of the past now. Just trip hazards of, everywhere. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. There's a there's a show, a YouTube channel, um, one of these Renault shows that I watch. They're quite closely linked to. I don't know if you guys know Crafted Wood Shop, uh, Johnny Brook. Yeah. Right. So they've done work with him before. He's yeah, and they they were putting down uh, flooring. It was rough sawn oak flooring. It was for a shed, so they were just put, shooting their main, I don't know, whatever the, the, the framing nails are. And the airline gun couldn't get through, but yeah. the DeWalt uh, battery-powered battery one, one, not the pass load either. The, oh, okay. the pass load also struggled. The DeWalt battery-powered one was the only one that could get through it, hmm. yeah, well, which I thought was quite interesting. Yeah, I know, um, yeah, pass loads, even though it's in a gas explosion, they don't like hard stuff. Oh, right. Okay. I would have thought the pass load would have been 
the one to go with because that's You'd been think around so. for it a million makes, years. That and, makes more sense. But I mean, you know, you hit a knot or something. It's just not going to go through hmm. some stuff. Um, yeah. It's surprising that the battery one has got more grunt. Yeah. Anyway, we're a woodworking show. We're not yes. carpenters. <laughs> so, with that in mind, uh, oh, before we get into that, Brian, how's your your last couple of weeks been? Pretty good. Before we get into the topic, lots of quoting, lots of designing, a mm, little bit of woodworking. <laughs> mm. um, I've been working on a bed uh, that's hopefully going to go out next week, and then I've got a nice run of little coffee tables that I'll be working on. Uh, concurrently and then I have a dining table to do after that so a reasonable amount of work not crazy like I think people are starting to feel the pinch a little bit like the inquiries that I've had have been things that have been in the running for sort of two to three months mm. um, but yeah it's sort of gone quiet a little bit website traffic's down but uh, yeah yeah it's going to be interesting because usually this time of year is like it's that weird thing with tax time like everybody panic oh I've got to get it in so I get my money back from the tax man it's like you realise the tax man doesn't actually give you money back this is this is yeah. your money you're still spending <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah like I've got a couple of sort of small little government jobs and things and that is obviously money that expires because they're having to do their annual um, grant applications and all that kind of stuff for the different yeah. departments but yeah i find it so weird when businesses um lump on in mid-june and say w- w- can we just pay for it now and we'll take it in september yeah it happens every year except really not this year that's weird yeah ah. hmm. interesting but i've never had that kind of rush haven't you maybe maybe it's an aussie thing yeah i, mean, I, I got my, my i got the... my aussie passport as well so that's exciting i came through today oh nice yeah you were talking about your website traffic do you notice a direct and and this may be a silly question and I'll Mm -hmm. I'll validate it in a second but do you notice there's a direct link between the amount of work that you're getting and your website traffic Um, was there not really a correlation I know what a good month of traffic is and it will like I can see the number of people that go to the contact form it won't necessarily like because I don't I don't need a huge number of clients like I just need probably I don't know, six inquiries converting into three to four jobs, something like that. So it's not like I need a massive number, but I'm always wary of looking at it and looking at how they're arriving on the website, whether it's like directly searching Sawdust Bureau versus searching Furniture Melbourne or something like that. I used to be really, really up on SEO and take the time to like put um, keywords on every single photo and tag it and stuff. And then there was just one year where it made no difference. Going to all that effort mm-hmm. and it's literally just people buying AdWords. So Yeah. The reason I ask is because it feels like the age of websites are no longer it's not websites aren't as powerful as they used to be maybe five or ten years ago. No, I, mm-hmm. I agree, yeah. And so I've often thought to myself, because I've got a, a website and I've often thought to myself do I even need it? Mm. It's a great place to show your your work to someone. You know, if you want to recommend or if you want to display your work to someone, head over to my website. You can find it. But from a 
generating business perspective i've always questioned if it was i think if yeah if you're somebody who's got good it skills or you've got the money to pay somebody to do it if you can set up an online shop where it means rather than like my website because i do a lot of custom work it's like an inquire now button as opposed to i'm pretty sure like butter have gone fairly automated well knowing jam probably has gone fairly automated with his website so i think you can say i want this kit of parts i want this number of shells bish bash bosh here's a quote where do you live here's your shipping quote done and then you don't have to do anything there's no phoning around freight companies like that is when a website becomes super powerful but for me it is just a yeah. portfolio really but i still yeah, i still so. do get inquiries from it that translate into jobs and i don't think i would get as many if i just ditched it and relied on social media or I think these days websites are uh, more of a qualifying yep. step. Yep. And I think because you mentioned just before, let's use these numbers for example, like six inquiries mm-hmm. and three converted jobs. Yep. There's a fifty percent conversion rate. That's massive. Mm-hmm. I think if you talk to most marketing people, and you're telling them you're getting a fifty percent conversion rate. Yep. They'll be like well we don't need to do anything yeah. what are what's we, your secret yeah what's your secret and uh, I've had this conversation with other people before and said pretty much the same thing I, you know my conversion rate's about 50% once I get the inquiry yep. and, and I think it has to do with the um, people are, are using your website as um, maybe they're qualifying their own fears or just going to make crossing their their t's and dotting their i's doing their research and by the time they've seen you in all the other platforms and linked through to everything and then they come to your actual website and go right yeah this is the guy i just i want to i want to get this guy to do some work and they've sent through a, a um a form from from your website i mean you're pretty much you're pretty close to having the job in in the bag at that point yeah uh, i find that most most inquiries straight from my website end up becoming jobs because these days more than they used to because I think people use it as like a last step qualifying um, Joey do you show pricing on your website or not? I used to have indications yeah yeah. and then I just it was like it just gets it's so custom there's so much variance and the price of things kept going up and I kept putting my own price up and so I said, oh, well, I don't want to give people a, a really low ball number on the website, even as an indication. And actually, it's 20% more than that now. Yeah. So it took me a lot. Yeah, I had you to don't go know through, where you're going to be. I had to go through, mm. When I increased my prices the other day, I had to go through every product and work out the pricing. Yeah. It took That's me what about I didn't like. four hours, I reckon. Yeah. Five hours to do every single page. But and um, over, over the years, I'd have pricing from jobs that are eight years old or something yeah and i would just as my upgrade my website or whatever i would just not do anything about the pricing yeah because i was just like oh, fine whatever just transfer it over yeah but then when you look at it and you're like oh a pair of chairs for 800 bucks <laughs> that's like <laughs> nope <laughs> delete that off there and it, like that's not gonna happen but i find it i find that that is probably one of the reasons where that leads to a high conversion rate is having the pricing on my products because 
the old days when I used to pay for like Facebook ads and things, the amount of bullshit inquiries, I would, like absolute tire kickers, people saying, mm. can you make a eight seater dining table? I've got $600. Whereas <laughs> I find that not paying those adverts and just letting people organically find my website, either through social media, Pinterest, whatever that they're clicking through and they see it. And at least, even if it's a custom job, at least they know a dining table is going to cost them between, I don't know, five and eight grand or something for, for a 10-seater, eight-seater dining table. It's not like they're coming there with any expectations that aren't managed. Yeah, I agree. I think pricing can help. I just don't like the fact that you have to keep updating it, especially mm. at the moment where things are updating you just stick a wee, you stick a weekly. From from before yeah, the well that's what i used yeah, to do but yeah. even then i felt like i was lowballing people if they come in with this expectation yeah and then mm. like, oh, actually god prices have gone up so much now yeah these yeah. prices aren't relevant so and and your quote is going to be very indicative of the workload that you've got which obviously is possibly yeah well yeah maybe yeah. we shouldn't make that public but it could <laughs> well, be it could be i mean it, yeah. I mean, it could be i mean if it's um, moving a job to the front of a queue or something like that yeah you you will pay a premium for that sometimes i just can't yeah. really do that anymore i, I mean I, I used to say that i wouldn't do it and i had i don't think i ever really did but at the moment with the, the jobs i've got on it's like everything's very calendar centric mm-hmm. in that I have to have certain things done by certain times, assuming that other people are going to have their parts of the job done, like builders, etc. And I'm just kind of plowing on, assuming that those timelines are still to be met. So um, mm. pushing people forward and back is pretty tricky. Yeah. Right, Robin, oh. talk, us, talk us through what you have got going on. Yeah, so... Firstly, what we uh, firstly we... have you invested in a heated vest yet? You know what? A heated vest. Yeah, yeah. Oh no, I not no, no. I'm rough. No. Oh man, best thing ever. Actually, I've seen these advertised. I feel bad. It's a little talking to you two when one is in Tasmania and the other's in New Zealand. But yeah, it was freaking it, freezing. I've seen in, them. So it's, it's a little, it's a little battery pack. Hey, yeah. That you can. Is it rechargeable? Yeah. 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 Usually you... Milwaukee. I think the ones I've seen are Milwaukee branded ones. Yeah, Milwaukee Dewalt. They'll kind of make them. Yeah. But oof, game changer. Yeah, right. I've, I was thinking of getting one for my wife because she she struggles with the cold. Thanks. That, that makes me lining. that makes me feel better, Robin. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, her her response was along the lines of, "I don't I don't like the idea of having a, a toaster in my my jacket, which if there's a malfunction, is essentially going to roast <laughs> me from kind of like an electric blanket for a bed. I yeah. I I can't do it. I I wouldn't be able to sleep comfortably with one of those." fire hazards underneath me <laughs> thanks very much you've been yeah, you've been yeah. surviving the you had a wee bit of snow in hobart or in yeah Wellington? yeah last last week yeah last week was properly cold um where we are it's obviously we're at the bottom of the mountain so it's not so bad uh but we've had snow sitting on the mountain for about two weeks it's still there and when the wind i think it's probably now starting to to disappear yep. But when that wind comes off the mountain, it is bitterly, bitterly cold. And uh, but you know that the experience—that's why we moved to Tassie. Yep. It's it's all part and parcel. And are you getting back into the shed? Have you have you done your induction right? I have kind of given up on the shed. Oh, honest. yeah, bombshell. It's n- it's nothing against them. Yep, I've got. Uh, 
nothing but love for the guys that I met there. They were very cool. But I wanted a shed where I could walk in, sign a piece of paper that says, if I lose my fingers, it's on me, and then get to work. Mm. But they're very, it's, the, it's a very social thing. Yeah. Uh. It's, a very, it's that orient, orientation, which I'm not the right person for that. And the last time I was there, I was working on the machines and I said to one of the guys, now, can I use the, the, the thicknesser? Can I go ahead? And he said to me, one of the, the mentors, well, it's really about whether you feel confident or not. <laughs> and I didn't say it at the time, but I, I got over and I thought, well, that was dumb because I'm waiting on you guys to give me the go ahead. Right. And so... I just kind of walked away going, That's a, yeah, that's this a is, weird this comment when it's probably one of the safest pieces of machinery in the workshop. Yeah. Yeah, and, and maybe I was giving off a very unconfident vibe that I didn't was look like I didn't know what I was doing. But I just thought, yeah, you know, I could stick with it, but it's a lot of time and effort to get to a place that I already am. Yeah. And, it's, yeah, it's, it's not, it's not a, a fun experience. But as luck would have it... Uh, I spoke to Laura not too long ago and she mentioned a place called uh, Design Objects Tasmania which is a similar it's a similar thing but there you rent a space yep that's cool so Brian I'm guessing it's something that you would have come across in, in Melbourne you go and you do an induction everyone seems a bit more it's it's less about the social and it's more woodworking yep. the people are, are woodworkers and designers amazing pieces Duncan Meading is a member there as well. And you go in, you sign up, you get your space, and then and then you're off to the race. So a shared, so shared machinery workshop, and then you have your own kind of walled-off space? Is that the way it works? Or? So you, it's a, a shared workshop, mm-hmm. and then you can get a studio space. Right, okay. Which I, I don't need the studio space, yep. but it's a, a shared shop. And then for the first three months, you have to go in when someone else is on site. Yep. So you've got essentially message around to say, is anyone in? Okay. And then after that, you get a key. Cool. It's 24 hour access. Only snag, the men's shed is there. <laughs> the uh, design objects is in, uh, or dot as they call it, is in Hobart, right in the middle of Hobart. So what, what's so that round trip for you? T- it's a 20 minute drive there. Well, it's not too bad. It's not bad, but it's, it, the, the the, the feeling of driving from here to Hobart is quite fine because I'm going to be using it in the evenings. Mm. You know, it's 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 going to be a couple of late nights if I if I decide to go ahead. But I'm meeting, hopefully meeting with them next week as part of my induction. And then we'll see from there. Cool. And all of that is on the back of me getting a potential commission. And that's what we wanted to talk about tonight. So I've got a... A potential built-in uh, uh, shelf system that a client is looking for. I don't like doing built-ins. I'd much rather be doing a table in my workshop. Joey, you've obviously got heaps of experience with it. It's not my thing. And I wanted to pick your guys' brains about it tonight because not only am I looking to quote this lady if I even go ahead with it, I don't have any tools to do it. So. Just to give everyone a bit of a background, Joe and Brian have already seen the piece. It's a fireplace in the middle of a wall, and on either side they want uh, plywood shelves. It's that sort of eccentric-looking shelving on 
uh, all different sizes and the edges are display the edges of the shelves are displayed and it's perhaps some kind of plywood presumably birch and then the insides are painted a dark charcoal something like that and it's all over the place some of the criteria it's a three meter high ceiling and the space is about 1.3 wide i guessed and, it perfectly <laughs> well because it was so funny so so joey sent me a drawing thanks again dude that's amazing that you just threw that drawing together that was awesome well yeah i spent 20 minutes on it and you know 10 15 minutes i was just trying to draw the room and then i spent five <laughs> minutes drawing the bookcase <laughs> Yeah, so it's yeah 1.3 wide, 3 meters tall, which is, um, we'll, we'll get into in a second, it's, it's going to present some challenges. And <clears throat> there's molding around the wall. So the I've just got a couple of questions, so I'll just, I'll, I'll, I'll get into the, the first one, which is just about the room itself. Joey, in your experience, if you've got molding on the wall, mm -hmm. do you cut that out? Would you um, work around it? I would, but you you shouldn't be going that high, in my opinion, unless they uh, specifically want you to go to the ceiling. They did. They do want to go to the ceiling. So now I can go to her and, and recommend that we stay below that, which is would definitely be my preference. But if she wants it to go to the ceiling... Okay, so the problem is you need to explain to them, because, okay, let's, let's explain. You've got the ceiling, which has a little, what I'll call scotia, a little molding between mm. the ceiling and the wall. And then what they've done, I don't know what the official term is, but they've extended the white of the ceiling down the wall, 300 mil, and have a picture rail running. Picture rail, that's what Around it's about, uh, what, 2.7, something like that from the floor. Um, you, you don't really want to cross over into ceiling territory. If you do, if you have to run it right to the ceiling, you need to explain that that ceiling, that, that Scotia or the molding that runs in the corner of the ceiling or wall has to then come around the front of your cabinet Like you, you have to change the way oh, the yeah, ceiling right. looks you can't <laughs> yeah, you just can't delete into the cabinet because it's too delete big it. I mean it's gonna look really odd it has to be in that style it has to be built in the front of the bookcase and allowed for and that's a whole other job that you don't want to know about because you then into repainting part of the ceiling yeah right so you would have to repaint a portion of it and then it turns into the whole ceiling well probably it's very hard to patch a ceiling you could you could just about get away with it if you just paint the scotia part and don't touch mm. any part of the flat ceiling but i would be in like that's that's kind of secondary to the fact that you're using plywood which is only 2.4 meters long and you don't really even though you're going to probably have to put a join somewhere you don't want to have to to really deal with going above that height I wouldn't think 2.5 would be if you have 2.4 meter high cabinet with a hundred mil toe kick that's 2.5 meters that's just underneath the picture rail that's where I'd be calling it otherwise mm. it's going to look really weird that style of room it needs this there needs a scotia around uh, the ceiling properly yeah. so I'd be saying okay. uh, I would say thanks but no thanks if they really want it up to the ceiling well that was going that was what my gut was saying i hadn't thought about it from that perspective with the the the, the scotia mm. which makes it a lot more reasonable to argue that that this is a bad idea to do it 
it's a pain so, in the butt. I've done it, and it's just it's another couple of days work mm. where it's not even work that you really want to do. It's carpentry work. Yeah. So you mentioned the plywood is two point four mm-hmm. meters. That was going to be one of my next questions. Not being someone who I don't buy sheets sheet goods very often is 2.4 it does it do they not make it any bigger no you can there's a few suppliers in melbourne you can get three meters from you'd be limited in the kind of finishes you can get on it so if you were looking for a custom veneer or something it would have to be put on over the top of it but you can you can definitely buy three meters but 2440 is sort of standard Gotcha. Twenty four forty. Okay. Yeah. So they allow twenty four to trim it down, down to two point four. Damaged corners and things. Oh, okay, you just yeah. trim them off. Okay, and it's so you mentioned there, Brian, with a, a different finishes. Do you think it would be reasonable to get a finish on this already, or is that going to jack the price up substantially? Not not substantially, but it'll just cost you a little bit more. If you're talking about adding it to a three meter board, they might need yeah, it might cost you a bit more than getting that standard veneer applied to a 2440 board instead of a three meter board because it's something that won't be sitting in their warehouse it's something that they'll have to make specifically for oh, I'm, you. I'm talking more about instead of painting the internals yeah, oh right 100 percent get the finish on it either yeah, right, a okay. film or or a stain be, or something get it on yeah, it yeah it'll be an hpl finish but you want a high pressure laminate yep. finish on birch ply yep um <clears throat> you're probably limited in colors probably only black gray and white so they want black anyway be a matte black um and you you don't want to paint birch ply and have to try and mask off all the edges or then sand all the edges perfectly off after they're painted or something crazy like you just want to cut it with like a track saw or something like that Mm. screw it all together throw back on it and put it in place all your work will be most of the work will be actually installing it because those walls won't be so was one of my next questions now would you obviously i'm going to go there first and look at the space and measure it out take a level is it is it and uh, now uh, you've been doing this a lot longer joe than than i have but so you've got to the point now where you're happy to say i've taken my measurements and those are the measurements i'm completely confident in them would there be well, <laughs> never confident but i take the measurements <laughs> would there be any reason to build this on or not necessarily not necessarily build the whole thing but to put this together on site to try and get around those walls because no. ultimately if there's uh, bows in those in that wall or any undulations what would how would you explain that to the client that you're going to see those gaps um you don't talk to the client too much about the gaps um you need to explain to them that their walls and if you have a level with them with you you can hold the level up and say look this wall is running off 20 mil so we're going to do our best to um, make the cap that fit there could be some gapping issues depending on things but um never say never but i'm going to try and make it look pretty for you um, if you have a substantial runoff like anything over kind of 10 mil you just need to explain to them that they're possibly going to see you've got very straight lines on the edge of plywood and when you start trimming that away to fit against the wall you're going to notice mm. that a piece of plywood goes from 
from thick to skinny depending on how you've had to cut it to fit the wall and it's going to look like something's off but actually your cabinet's straight and the wall's not but sorry you wouldn't trim the plywood what do you mean by that okay. as in where have I got? You, you're not actually, <laughs> in my head, it sounds like what you're saying is you are like running your board through a thickness planer, so or your plywood yeah. through a thickness planer. Yeah. Surely, I would have just gone with extending the shelves width, so that the plywood is on a slight angle to match the wall. You never get it in. You so the first thing about building cabinetry is you've got to lose space. You're you're not going to have a cabinet that fits in the exact space with a mill to spare. You're going to have build a cabinet that is. 36 mil too short. You're going to have an 18 mil gap on each side. Put the cabinet in, nice and plumb and square, and then you're left with a gap down each side. That's the scriber. And that mm. piece of plywood only has to be 60 mil deep, something like that. Just just big enough that you can f squeeze it in there on it's edge. Excellent. It's not going all the way back. It's just a filler to fill the gap. Mm. And you plane that to fit whatever wedge is gotcha. left between. Okay. And, and that is what you're going to see runoff on. And that's why if you look on my drawing, everything is quite wide. All the verticals are drawn 36 mil wide. And anywhere where there's a join between two cabinets is going to look like two two layers of plywood coming mm. together so you sometimes have to build in the fact that if you're going to split a cabinet into two or three pieces just so you can maneuver it into the room and then lift it into place you've got to think about where those joins are going to be are going to are going to look beefier and so you've got to add some of that beef somewhere else in the cabinet to make it all look like it should be like that little that little looks, shadow yeah. gaps little five mil <clears throat> shadow gaps or something like that you could do that or, like a strip of yeah, a strip could, of ply or something set back that sets the cabinets off each other is a really good way to deal with that but that's a cool idea yeah that's a cool idea now with that that scriber because i had traditionally you would do something like that with you know with normal framing you know if you um if you uh, when i built my closet in my place up in Townsville, the framing around the closet where it was met the wall, that all got scrubbed. Mm -hmm. But surely with something like this, with plywood, where you've got these straight lines, there's going to be an expectation on their side that the wall is going to be all over the place and that's fine. You can have that gap and that's, that's okay because you can't expect, that's just for argument's sake and, and this is based on the picture, that wall looks like it could be a 1950s wall brick render that's never going to be flat so surely the idea of having this this wonky janky wall with a straight piece of ply for the shelf there's going to be no expectation to scribe a filler in well, between that's there. between you and the client like that's something that's very um i would t even take a scrap of plywood or something mm. that it's like a piece of wood and hold it against the wall and just say do you like that or not because i mean yeah. i mean if you want, you, I mean, depending on what, how far you want to go, you can just slam a piece of wood against the wall and kind of masking tape off the gap, fill it up and paint it. That's one way to do it. Um, it's a bit not so easy with plywood because you've got to deal with natural timber and corking color and paint color and everything. It becomes a bit trickier than just scribing it. 
Um, mm. One option when you really have wonky walls is just to build the cabinet and not, like on purpose build it too small for the space. Don't go wall to wall on purpose. Leave yourself a breathing room on one side, like a 300 mil stop 300 mil from the wall or something. And you could design it symmetrically like that. So each right side on. doesn't actually go wall to wall. It just has to touch the back and the one side of the wall. Um, so in this case, the, the center fireplace yeah. is where everything locks in. And then on yeah. either side, it's space for a, yeah. an umbrella. And maybe even just at the bottom, it touches. And then it kind of pyramids steps up. Back, yeah. It mm. steps yeah. up somehow <clears throat> because they want to they don't want to really that modern style of shelving where nothing's in line you could actually just make mm, it look like cool it's idea. meant to step away but actually it's just helping you in the fact that you don't have to fit it between two awful walls that that trim piece that um joey's talking about that you use to sort of shim the cabinet back to the wonky walls that'll help you get away from any skirting boards as well robin like if you're yeah. trying to depending on what type of hinges you're dealing with whether they're like full overlay half overlay whatever no 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 doors. Um, no doors no doors just, just open, all open okay yeah not to worry about that well but i hope so if you imagine otherwise if I'm, you I'm, if you're trying to say you're using i don't know 18 mil ply or something is that what you're looking at yeah well this was actually one of my questions would you guys be going anything less than 16 on that uh, i don't know it depends, Do you get 16 on, mil? it depends on the span of it and whether it's going to sag and what's going to be if there's something heavy in it like if it's holding vinyl records or something like that they are heavy as all shit <laughs> this so. is an interesting conversation because it's like it's like my daily at the moment like working this kind of stuff out and that's why i wanted to i just thought this is the best idea because i, I literally said to her i'll get back to you on wednesday next week <laughs> knowing that the show was tonight um this is one of those things we've talked kind of about uh, before brian and i think you work this way is that um if you know you have to do something with hardware in it you start with the hardware and work backwards. Yep. What can the hardware do and achieve? And in this case, your um, con constraint is like, what is the finish? What can I get? You can only get an HPL finished plywood on 18 or 25 mil thick birch. So there's your answer. I would go for 18 mil because um, 18 mil stacked up next to each other is 36 and that looks better than 225s which would give you 50 yep. That's depending on how chunky. you're gonna yeah because um, mm. the way this is going to go together you're going to have you can't lift it in by yourself in one piece mm. if you break it into three you might be able to do that lift each piece in by yourself in three three different cabinets um, that's probably doable um, and so you've got to think about what's it going to be made of and in this case having a pre-finished plywood is so much more economical than trying to paint just natural birch so mm -hmm. you're kind of constrained by that and then and then you say what can i kind of lift where do i have to put cut points in the cabinet and then after that you start making the design look pretty mm. so 18 mil can take anything mm. it doesn't matter what they put on it yeah the this the the boxes let's call it work mm. actually quite quite narrow so 18 mil span i wouldn't i wouldn't think that's going to be a be an issue um okay cool that's that's good so far um just trying to think what else oh yeah okay so that's the the design 
Now I have currently in my possession here in Tasmania a drill and a circular saw and that's that. Would I be, would I be able to get away without using a panel saw for HPL? Or maybe not a panel saw, but at least a table saw. You know, am I gonna? Is this just gonna be a nightmare trying to do this with a circular saw? You could probably do it with a track saw, pretty good. Mm. The the track saw blades seem to give no tear out, uh, from what I've seen, like very little tear out. Are you, are you, you trying to? Run, are you, yeah. You? Are you trying to do mitered corners and things on the boxes, or are you happy mm. for it just to be butt I joints? I think it's all butt joints. Or butt joints. Yeah. yeah, I'll just butt joint. Yeah. Because yeah. uh, yeah. that's why my head. If I would go if, track if I just use that. If I did a track saw, this, because in my head, this is what I need. Obviously a level, a, because I've, I've literally got to go shoot out to Bunnings and go buy all this stuff. So a level, a, I would splash out on one of those um, uh, laser measuring things. Brian, I think you've talked about them in the yeah. past. Which, because that just in this type of instance, if it's going wall to wall, that's going to be an absolute it tells you instantly whether your wall is out. It won't tell you which wall is out, whether it's the left or the right, yeah. but it'll tell level, you yeah. it, there is a 20 mil gap at the top. So if I was to do level, laser, the I'll get a simple dowling jig, because mm -hmm. I'm pretty yeah. sure I should. Cheers. How am I going to cover that up with the... Oh, that's something else you have to think about <laughs> so would you say rather go screws don't waste your time with the um, obviously if i had a domino that would be a, a yeah, lot uh, easier, maybe but... a dowling jig it depends on that's where you sometimes you just need to get smart creatively with um where you cut the cut the piece because screws would obviously be easier you can hide screws very easily like if you've got two boxes that have to kind of sit on top of each other like this um, anything between those two layers is not not seen, so you can have screws up this way and screws down this way, and then put them together. Doesn't work. You you're never going to see that. Yeah, well, the screws got to come through the box. <clears throat> yeah, but if yeah, it's but if it's a two point four meters or something like that, and you're screwing down, and eye levels like sixteen hundred. Oh yeah, okay. So at the bottom, if you're screwing up, you're not gonna. Yeah, you can put the yeah. screws selectively, and to a point where you might only need one or two connections where you might have to use something like a dial jig. Mm. A dialing jig though is, yeah. is cheap. Like it's not, yeah, it's not a big it's only, expense. It's only 50 bucks or something. Yeah. Which is why I was thinking of doing it. Yeah. Um, but my concern with those dialing jigs is, and I've always found this in the past, for example, where we want the, where I'm talking about the boards, you were saying the, the three different cabinets meeting, those dialing jigs, because they don't have positive stops, you, you're always like risking that, you're always running that risk of it being a mill over something. Mm. And it's going to look awful if it does that. You can sand it back to a degree, but I don't know. That's my experience with dowling jigs. It's not a not a, a, a domino, which has a very positive stop. You get it in yeah. the same spot every time. Uh, I think there's a way to do that particular design without a dowling jig. Mm. I, I think you could probably do it with all screws and you wouldn't see any screws i'll, I'll look into that because yeah I'd, I'd be more confident doing that anyway um all right so level laser track saw which well, i can just make my own so what you will probably get is very small chipping on the mm. hpl um, what i typically would do is get a a, a very small router and have like a two mil round over 
bit and after you cut all those faces just run a, a router along it and it just takes that sharp edge off the, the HPL laminate and you just round it over slightly. Assuming that the HPL doesn't break under the blade. Uh, what? If it's a sharp a, blade. A good HPL. Okay. Uh, the HPL should be about a millimeter thick like on, on that stuff. I've never worked with it. Is it not a? I just assumed it was a brittle, like um, like um, like uh, melamine. No, it's not as bad as that. No, it, it should be um, actually really quite hard, and mm. should work about the same as the plywood. De oh right. Depending on kind of what it is that you buy, but if it's the stuff, I think what is available for you, which is pretty much the same as what's here. Um, there's there's two. There's a HPL, a high pressure laminate, and there's a CPL, a continuous pressure laminate. And the, the continuous pressure laminate is a thinner, more melamine type finish, which is typically cheaper. Hmm. Uh, and the HPL is a thicker laminate, which is more hard wearing and typically a bit more expensive, but it's hmm. a better product. Okay. Have you, have right, you ever yeah. used a track saw before, Rob? Uh, no, not a, not a, not a pre-board one. We've talked on the show about getting a I was toying with the idea of getting the DeWalt track saw. Mm -hmm. um, but I've always just made mine up myself yeah, just from with, MDF. It's, yep. it's quite quite simple to do it, yeah. Yeah, um, Yeah. well then I guess that's pretty much, that's all the, the kit that I'd need. I mean, the router, yeah, it's, it's, you get a cheapo. You could get a cheap router and um, I'd be almost inclined to buy like a, a Makita or Ryobi kit, like a, a battery tool kit. Mm. Where you get a few tools and a and a bag and a couple of batteries, you can probably get everything you need cheaper that way sometimes. Mm. Like you get a a set of drills and a router or something. Sometimes you can make your own kits up for a certain price. Yeah, right. Yeah. yeah, because keep in mind that all of these, with my long term plan of leaving Tassie mm. next year, if if all goes to plan, all of this stuff's got to go. Because I'm not going to put in the car and drive. Uh, I mean, I might, but I probably won't drive this back up. So that's why I don't want to invest in in tools. Particularly, this is all under the assumption that I'm going to be doing this at my house. If the uh, membership at DOT goes ahead, I could be on a panel saw doing all yeah. of this, in which case it's easier. But I'd much rather be able to do it at home, take my time, instead of being on a on a, on a hourly basis at some workshop. Well, the good thing with this type of bookcase where it's, I mean, you literally just take a sheet and cut it into like 300 mil strips. So what, let's say you work out that you need six sheets, you cut them all into 300 mil strips and then it's just a matter of going through and cutting them the right length to, yeah. to screw them together. It's, it's very basic cuts. Um, yeah. So pretty straightforward and there is going to be a bit of investment there. So you'll have to do the numbers obviously to see mm. if it's worth your time. Well, this is where all the profit from the job can go. It's <laughs> paying for the tools that I'm going to use. You know, the, yeah. I, I was just going to say, we talked briefly about having a gap on each side of the cabinet. Be sure to allow that same for the back. The back wall mm. is just as likely to be all up the ship. So in a case like this, in an old house, I'd be 20 mil off the wall, 18 mil off the wall as well with your back mm. panel. So you're not touching on three sides at all. It's just two bits, two little scribers touching at the extreme sides and then to make it look like it's filling the space completely. Then 
Wait, sorry, at the back as well, scribing yeah. the back. No, no, sorry, you wouldn't scribe the back. There would just yeah, be, like, okay. there would be an eighteen mil gap completely down the back, mm. um, and you probably in, need all of that. Yeah. Then, in terms of attaching it to the wall, do you guys have any preferred methods that you would do that? Because obviously, again, you're trying to cover the fixings um, up at the top would be the what yeah. I would assume. Just above a shelf, above eye level. You can get a screw in where you can't see it from standing level. And you just see, a little L bracket. No, just a screw just straight, straight through it all the way into the stud or whatever's there, brick wall. Oh, right, yeah, okay. And yeah. all you have is a screw head lift sitting there. Yeah, okay. Um, yeah, and then talking about back panel, uh, mm. something thinner on the back. You won't get you, it. Yeah, okay. Because I know, Joe, you've talked in the past about you just do the backs or the sides it's all the same yeah I do now I used to oh do you you do the same thickness for yeah right for backs because um back when I used to paint everything yeah it didn't matter and I could use a thin back panel yeah because you think about the what the back's doing is creating a diaphragm stopping everything wobbling around so it doesn't have to be that thick Mm -hmm. but it does mean you've got to work with and stock different thicknesses of material and sometimes like on kitchens um you just want a small off cut of something to finish something off but it's the wrong wrong thickness and it's much easier if you have one thickness panel in the workshop and you can use that off cuts for all sorts of different things for example if you're doing a kitchen cabinet it's like 760 tall or 780 what is it actually it's a, it's a seven something so it's most of a sheet. The offcut is about 400 mil. So if you take a 1220 sheet, rip 700 off it, and that's the back panel of a kitchen cabinet, right? And then you've got this 400 mil offcut, which can be used for all sorts of stuff if it's a decent thickness material. If it's mm-hmm. some thinner stock, it just goes into a, a scrap pile and you never use it. Yeah. Um, and it makes way better use of your offcuts. Uh, the problem with this kind of thing is that it's a very expensive back panel because there's like a $300 <laughs> back panel. And the problem it's is that you're 1300 wide and not 1220 wide. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. Well, to... I think going back to what you were saying, which is what I'm going to pitch, is bringing it in off the wall mm. saves me the hassle and then gets him down to, you know, gets her down to a single sheet. I'd, I'd come to them with a, a couple of <clears> sketches <throat> and, and say, this is like version A, version B. I prefer version A because this, this, and this, but we can do version A, but it's more difficult. Yeah. Righto. And then I'm going to have to hire a van to get it there as well because I don't have a van. <laughs> so right. this, this lady's either going to be loaded or not interested. How did she find you, What's that? How did she find you? Laura. Oh, cool. Uh-huh. Laura's uh, finished up for the year. And so she uh, said, yeah, if I want to take it, go for it. So, yeah. Um, and, that, and that's why I really, want to, I really want to take the job because it's the first job. And then that can become more. So to turn this down, it's, it's going to kill me. But without having a workshop, I just, and I've already explained this to her. I don't want her to be sitting for months and months and months waiting for what, let's be you know fair is a very simple job that a, a full-time uh, cabinet maker would knock out in a in a week so, yeah. we'll see we'll see what she says and how's the supplies can you get 
some decent like HPL ply where you are? I haven't even looked at it yet. Okay. I haven't gone that far, yeah. So I'll need to at this point all I'm giving her is that yes, let's go further where I'll okay. start quoting you. Or no, this is just just not going to be feasible with with what I can do at the moment. So. Uh, yeah, well, I guess you have a see if she'll give you a budget too. Hmm. Yeah, actually, some, that's a good point. Do some yeah. initial um, do some initial pricing just based on round numbers, and then mm. see what you think it might cost to be to be worth your while, and then see what her budget if she can give you a budget, and then you can see whether it's even worth spending any more time on it because that would be what tells you no it's not worth not worth it for both of us cool righto thanks guys cool that's awesome (laughs) and uh, to everyone listening uh, if you want to hear more of this type of thing where we brainstorm quotes (laughs) let us know we can we can uh, because I don't know when, when I when I thought about you know pitching this as an idea for the show I just thought we often talk about you know high level design or, or what we're working on but mm. this is such a such a very unique thing that people might be um, having to do themselves well it is it's a basic thing that anyone can do but there's a whole bunch of really basic mis- or, yeah, basic mistakes that people make and it ends up looking a bit shit if you mm. don't think about things a bit beforehand I would definitely um, do what you bouncing saying. ideas would, is good I would get a ballpark budget of what they want to spend and work backwards mm. because it, it, if you're talking about going wall to wall ply maybe maybe they can't even you know by the time you add your labor into it they can't afford that much material so then maybe it is just a half width set of boxes that sort of fill the space and, and there's mm. an empty section yeah. to the right or maybe just some open shelves or something which you can run wall to wall and sort of easily trim to it so you're not having to do the complex complex kind of um, wall trim on both sides yeah if you remove that vertical panel yep. and you just have it run out to the side of yep. something yeah yep. yeah mm. cool yeah alright righto well I'll let you guys know um, have you how it goes and if I'm going to go ahead with it Joey have you sent Robin your uh, design fee yet uh, well I'll wait to see what the yeah. uh, the budget comes out of right. yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah Cool. Hey. All right, everyone. All right. Well, that's uh, brought us perfectly to time. Cool. So uh, thanks for listening, and we'll catch you guys next time. Very good. Catch See you ya. later. Cheers, guys. Bye.